0: World, this is the enemy. Carol
1: Warhawk, the leader
0: of Savage. He's pure evil, with a machine gun, grenade launcher, and a killer sword with a deadly secret. Get the point? Rambo! Think you're hot, Warhawk? Rambo,
1: leading the force of freedom with a hot new battle action flamethrower. You
0: need a light, Warhawk!
1: Rambo and Warhawk, each sold separately with their battle action accessories from Coleco.
0: Welcome to the inaugural episode of Pump Action Podcast. We are bringing to you a, uh, what, what would we say, like a celebration, maybe?
1: Celebration homage.
0: An homage, yes, <laughs> to some of the movies that we grew up loving, the 80s 90s young aughts
1: and today and today
0: (laughs) (laughs) action movies of our youth probably some 70s in there too definitely from some 70s um you know 70s were a little bit different times that uh you didn't have like the cut uh physiques of uh, of the 80s obviously but uh uh definitely uh, set, the, set the standard for what was to come, the 70s did. But I am your host, uh, or we are the hosts, uh, Tyler Fighter is my name that I'm choosing to go by on this podcast. This is T-Bone. T-Bone, yeah. And so the first episode that, that we discussed uh, is going to be First Blood. And personally, I came across this film on television. Um, back in in probably the early 80 or maybe not early 80s because this movie didn't come out until what 80 82 82 so I always feel that like um, this is like a really early Stallone film but the truth of the matter is um, he made this right after Rocky 3 right <laughs> or like right directly after.
1: I don't know, at least yeah after 2.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I want to say it was around the same time he filmed Rocky III, um, so he still had that real cut physique. But anyway, I came across this probably in the mid-80s um, on television, and I remember um, recording this. I, I had a, a VHS copy. I recorded it right off the TV. It was First Blood. And then immediately went into The Karate Kid. And so it was like a double feature. And I recorded it off a, a television. And I tried to edit it out the commercials uh, as best I could. And So I ever, even growing up, I never knew there was like a uh, uncensored version. Until like much later. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, there's all these extra scenes. But uh, that's how I came across the film. Do you remember how you came across it? I didn't see it. Until
1: around, believe it or not, 2010.
0: two thousand what? Two thousand and ten. How could you not have seen? But you knew who Rambo was, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. you you had to have seen, Rambo before or Rambo three.
1: I think. I think Rambo four was the first one I saw, in the theater. Oh okay. Uh, but I was obviously aware of it, <laughs> you know, seeing clips and everything and parodies. But I, didn't, I didn't get into Stallone at all f- for a while. Oh, okay. I was mostly Arnold and, and Jackie Chan and a little bit of Van Dam and Seagal. But for some reason, I didn't get into the, the Rockies or the Rambos until well into the 2000s.
0: Very well, okay, but you... I don't know
1: why that was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That, that's uh, that's kind of weird. I didn't know, because Stallone made a shit j- ton of awesome 80s movies. You know, uh, First Blood and All Course the Rambos. Cobra. Gotta love Cobra. Tango and Cash. Yeah, uh, I remember... Lockup. Seeing... Up.
1: <laughs> Cliffhanger.
0: Oh, my God, Cliffhanger. That's a that's an awesome movie. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and there's a few duds in there, too. Um, I, I know you're a big fan of Rhinestone. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, was it Oscar? That was another one that was a big turd. But anyway, uh, we're here to talk about First Blood, and that's kind of, like I said, an introduction to how we came across the film was just simply um, watching it on television, and Turner didn't come, or excuse me, T-Dog didn't come to it. I'll T-Bone. Edit it. Oh, T-Bone. I'll edit all that out later. Okay. T-Bone didn't come across this till much later in life. But uh, for those of you who don't know, it was actually a book first, correct? That's right. Uh,
1: So the book was written by a guy named David Morrill, who was born in Canada in 1943. Canadian. Mm, That's weird. It is. Um, He was the son of an upholsterer and a Royal Navy pilot. Ah. So... That's where I guess he kind of gets his military background somewhat. He wasn't in the military himself. He got a bachelor's degree in English in 1966 and then moved to the United States where he eventually received a master's degree and a PhD in American literature. He began teaching in the late 60s, which is when he started writing First Blood, which is his his first novel and his most well-known novel he also wrote the novelizations for first blood part 2 and rambo 3 as well as over 30 uh, non-rambo novels and short story collections he also wrote for spider-man captain america and wolverine comics
0: dang that's awesome i did not know that uh
1: and that he did that recently within the 20 teens Mm. the comic books In 1993, he became a U.S. citizen and he trained for many of the things he wrote about, including firearm use, crisis negotiation, defensive driving, and he also received a pilot's license. Uh, He is an honorary lifetime member of the Special Operations Association and the Association of Former Intelligence Officers. And as of this recording, he is still alive, living in the U.S., 79 years old.
0: Hey, i got to say something really fast. How yeah. awesome would it be? I mean, not not that you would ever, you know, get a DUI or whatever, but if you had to go to, like, defensive driving courses and you didn't know and you went in there and you sat down and you got your driver's test done by David Morrill, like, that would be like or Morell like that would be mind blowing. <laughs> like I don't think that I would be able to concentrate on my my test. Um, I would have a million questions for the guy. But wow, a Canadian. That that's another mind blow. That's cool though. That's uh, cool. So you started writing First Blood in the sixties.
1: It was he finished it. It was published in nineteen seventy two by publishing company Roman and Littlefield. It was inspired by stories that David Morrill heard from his university students that had fought in Vietnam. It was also heavily inspired by another book that he had read called Rogue Mail by Jeffrey Household, which was published in the 1930s. Mm. Uh, Rambo, the character, was also somewhat inspired by World War II hero Audie Murphy. In the movie, his name is John Rambo. In the book, he never gets a first name. He's just known as Rambo, which... Did they talk about this in the uh, the commentary? It's named after an apple? No, I don't believe yeah. so. He was trying to come up with a name for the, for the hero, and his wife came home with some apples, some Rambo apples. <laughs> Rambo apples. And that's where he got the name, apparently.
0: Okay, from here on out, I'm only going to be eating <laughs> Rambo apples, because I feel that's going to give me... The strength.
1: I've never seen them at the store. I think they they, They've got
0: to be them. huge. Yeah. I can't imagine them being <laughs> tiny apples. Like grapefruits? <laughs> yeah, that's <there's> like <laughs> grapefruits. They're like ripped apples. Like you can't even bite into them because they're just like <laughs> fucking meaty. Uh, that's awesome.
1: So you, we both read the book a few years ago, right? Yeah, so yeah. It, the book mostly follows the same plot as the movie, but Rambo is... A lot crazier in the book, and he kills a, a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the other notable difference in the book is that Rambo and uh, the sheriff, Teasel, both die at the end. Yeah. Um, despite it being his first novel, it received generally positive reviews. It was published ultimately in tw- 26 languages. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know if it's technically still in print, but it's pretty easy to get. So, yeah, very successful novel, 50 years later. Um, so, interestingly, here's a little trivia. I don't know if you are heard about this one, too. Oh, I love trivia. <laughs> so, he dies in the book, Rambo, and in the movie he lives. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, and David Morrill wrote... The novelizations for Rambo 2 and 3. So in Rambo 2, you know, there's that huge mm-hmm. plot hole of how, how does he die in the book and live in the movie <laughs> and still have a part two. So if, if you look in the novelization of Rambo 2, First Blood Part 2, in the very beginning, there's a, just a note that says, uh, Rambo dies in the book, but he lives in the movie. <laughs> and then it just goes on into the. <laughs> It's like, yeah. you know what, who
0: cares, Just read the book,
1: <laughs> yeah. have fun.
0: That's awesome, I did not know that. I actually have both the novelizations, well I have First Blood, um, like a trade paperback, and then I have um, Rambo, First Blood Part 2, and I actually still have Rambo Part 3 too, the novelization, but I haven't yet read those, and I need to, to, to read those, and I will get to them eventually. Uh, one of the things that I noticed, really, too, about the book, not not to cut you off, is that, um, to me, it's really Tessel's story, right? Um, yeah. It's all really about how um, he, he is a Korea, Korean War vet, and a lot of people kind of refer to that as, as the Forgotten War, and um, at the time that the book was written, or, you know, uh, just, Vietnam was always in the news. It was like the very, it was the very first televised war that was brought right to your living room, and so um, these Korean vets kind of were like a little, what would you say, like not jealous, but like they felt forgotten, and they were angry um, that there was so much press going on about these Vietnam vets, and so in the movie you don't really get a whole lot of that. I don't even know if it's even mentioned that he's a Korean. Maybe I think he when he's talking to um, Troutman. Um, he is. Uh, he mentions that he's a Korean War vet, but in the book, it really goes into a lot of detail about um, some of his time in Korea, some of the war stories that he had, and then kind of coming back and, like he said, feeling forgotten. So a lot of anger, a lot of resentment there, and he takes a vow on Rambo. Um, you know, right. Swag gives him a hard time, but anyway.
1: Yeah, there's some clues in the movie to that storyline. In his office, he's got the, you know, the Silver Star medal,
0: or, or is that Purple
1: Heart? I don't remember. Some yeah. medal in his office that you can see in the background. So there's some definitely some clues there. Uh, so, going on to the movie now, um, pretty much since the book was released, they had been, since 1972, they had been trying to get a movie made about it. So throughout the 70s, it, it was just ongoing. Um, the rights, were being bought and sold. Production companies were coming and going. Scripts were written and rewritten. People were getting cast and uncast. Um, the basic script that kind of forms the movie that we got was written in 1977. And uh, in 1981, the director, Ted Kotcheff. I don't uh, he had he had actually been involved off and on since 1976. Mm. Uh, and he finally did get the directing role in 1981. And he offered the role of Rambo to Sylvester Stallone, who read the script within a couple of days and accepted the offer pretty much immediately. And this was right after Stallone had gotten huge from the Rockies, mm-hmm. one and or two, yeah. and or three, whatever was out by this point. So he was a kind of a huge star at the time. Um, and because of his involvement, it was actually the movie, after 10 years of development, how it finally kick-started it into getting made for real. Um, so by this time, the 81, 82, uh, the, the Vietnam War had been over for since 1975, and the U.S. involvement had been over since 1973 so, you know, the, uh, a lot of the uh, protests and resentment and kind of controversy was starting to die down a little. So I guess they felt more comfortable getting the movie actually going at this point. Um, Stallone also had enough clout to rewrite the script and he wanted to make Rambo less violent and more sympathetic, which is obviously what happened. In the film, only one person dies as opposed to the dozens in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's pretty much an accidental death. Ram- Rambo doesn't even really kill anyone. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the film, Rambo survives, which we already talked about, and sh- the sheriff survives. Uh, so once Ram- or, uh, Stallone was on board and they had the script and everything, they. Why don't you talk about some of the weird casting you were telling me Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) So, um, I mean, Stallone had always... I don't know if they kicked around anybody else for for Rambo, but um, one of the first actors I was actually hired and I know they filmed scenes for was um, Kirk Douglas as Colonel Troutman. And um, I guess the first day on the set, like, Kirk Douglas was, like, demanding that they change things. And they he wanted to like um, change the script up to where like um, he Troutman like joins Rambo, and they he had this whole scene like played out where um, they're riding on top of like these trucks and they have their these headbands on, and they're like waving <laughs> flags and they're like driving through the town, and um, I guess the director was like. Yeah, like, no, it's not the kind of movie that we're making. So he threatened to quit. Uh, Kirk Douglas uh, says he's going to quit. And the director's like, well, okay, we'll just quit. And so he quits the film, and I guess that they found um, Richard... Uh, oh, my gosh, what's his name? Richard Crenna. yeah, Richard Crenna, uh, on Broadway. And um, somebody had mentioned that he was doing a play at the time. And anyway, long story short, it all comes together, which I'm glad. Uh, I. Richard Crenna is amazing in this film. I mean, he is awesome, and I can't imagine um, anybody else playing that role. And uh, but somewhere out there, in a locked in a vault somewhere, has to be those the the, the film parts with with Kirk Douglas as Colonel Troutman. Which is if you notice, um, and I didn't even really notice it either um, until uh, the most recent viewing. Troutman's Um, Suit that he wears is too big. It's way too big for him and the reason why is because that was Kirk (laughs) Douglas' they had it made for him and his size and so um, they didn't have time to do any kind of alterations on it so that's why he wears a trench coat a lot of the time um, to kind of hide the fact that the suit that he's the dress suit that he's wearing is too big because it was Kirk Douglas's so yeah there's another little interesting That's weird because Kirk Douglas seems like he'd be a tiny man. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. <He> doesn't <laughs> seem very maybe Richard Krenn is really tiny.
0: Yeah, must be. Must be so anyway.
1: Um yeah, there's a you can go on Wikipedia or something and look at the casting. There's some crazy I think John Travolta was involved at one point. I there's, would I could see that. I could totally whole see that a bunch of crazy casting choices that they were trying to go for. Anyway... My
0: head. <laughs> Watch the head? <hair.
1: laughs> so they filmed it in uh, Canada. Uh, the book, by the way, takes place in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. So they changed the uh, location of the film to shoot in Canada. Um, the budget... It was filmed in early 90, uh, 1982 with a budget of $15 million, which is about 44 million in 2022 dollars the uh, original cut was over three hours long that's the cut i want to see i want to see that cut and yeah. according to stallone it was awful <laughs> and he wanted he literally wanted to um buy the rights of the film and destroy it after really? seeing that three-hour copy because mm-hmm. he thought it was going to ruin his career Really? Uh, so I want to see the three-hour terrible cut of first blood. I
0: wonder <laughs> what else they would have added to stretch out the because it's only like ninety minutes long, I think.
1: Yeah, it was. They pretty much cut it in half.
0: Yeah, holly. But, um, I wonder what else they could have added to that. That would.
1: I don't know. Make... There's not. I mean, if you're the book, there's not many extra scenes. No. To like pad it out that much. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: I mean, Rambo's in a cave for like most of the yeah. book. <laughs> um.
1: So anyway, yeah, they got it down to just over an hour and a half, and that was the version that was released on October 22nd, 1982. It was number one at the box office for three weeks in a row. It was the highest October box office gross for a film up until then, up until 1982. I don't know what broke that record. I didn't really look into that. Doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) It it uh, grossed fifty one million dollars domestically, which is about one hundred and fifty million in twenty two dollars, and worldwide it grossed one hundred twenty five million, which is almost three hundred and seventy five million in today's dollars. Dang, that's awesome! It was the first major Hollywood film to be released in China, and it held the record for ticket sales for a Hollywood film in China until 2018.
0: Till 2018? Did you hear that? First Blood, the biggest <laughs> movie in China. I'm assuming it was one of the Avengers films that broke that record, maybe. Probably, know. probably. Uh,
1: the critical response at the time was generally positive.
0: Or Rambo 2. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was Rambo 2. Yeah. Uh, and, of
1: course, it spawned four sequels released in 1985 1988,
0: 2008, and 2019. We're not going to talk about the 2019 one, though. Yeah, that was pretty
1: bad. That was terrible. Uh, It also spawned an animated series in 1986 and multiple video games, which are mostly based off of the films. And the five films in the franchise have generated over $800 million in revenue worldwide. Um... I don't know how much that is as far as franchises. I tried to find franchise grosses. Yeah. Um, I can only find up to the top twenty-five, but the twenty-fifth highest grossing franchise was like two point five billion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this one is this is almost a billion, so it's probably probably top fifty at least Yeah. In franchise. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if we want to go into the summary of the movie. Everyone's. Everybody's kinda seen it. I mean you can kinda go watch it. Yeah. Um basically the story of a Vietnam veteran coming home. He's homeless, wandering around. Um
0: so I, Oh go ahead. I I just want to say really fast, like so that movie opens with him like walking um to find the last member of the platoon that that he served with in Vietnam, right? Right. And I don't know if anybody noticed, but when you're watching that opening scene, um, how Rambo is introduced, he's almost introduced kind of like a child, right? Like, to me, like, he's kind of like, hey, you know, like, uh, uh, Danforth, or whoever he's looking right. for. And, you know, he's like, oh, he's, he's here, and, you know, this is his address, look, this me, and he's, you know. He comes across, like, really um, childlike, or very right. innocent, and kind of, I don't want to say bubbly, but he's not like a machine. Yeah, yeah. But the minute he finds out that, um, is it Danforth? I'm probably wrong on that. Um, but as soon as he finds out that he's dead and that Rambo is the last living member of that platoon, that's when, like, the light, he immediately, like, goes into, like, um, like self, well, what am trying to say? Like, uh, he, he, lock, he locks in within himself you know what I mean he like shuts down the, the, even the facial uh, features change he becomes cold and kind of you know stone cold And uh, right. anyway so uh, yeah so he's introduced as kind of like this playful character and then that doesn't last very long and, and then yeah he kind of like you said he kind of wanders around the, the town um, wanders into like this little small I think it's set in Montana in the movie even though it was shot in Canada right
1: uh, it's I like, think Washington, right?
0: Is it Washington? Washington. something like that. Yeah. Some up Pacific Northwest or somewhere. Right. Anyway, um, but yeah, he's like walking down this road, and then that's where we are introduced to Sheriff Tessel, who picks him up, and was like, uh, you know, we don't like your kind here, uh, and again, that sort of like goes back to, um, not necessarily, um, you know, him being a vagrant but more of him being a Vietnam vet because of Tessel's kind of disdain for that. Yeah. Um, so the ba-
1: the background for that kind of, you know, that the way that those characters interact, um, you know, at the time there was a lot of homeless Vietnam vets. And there were all, you know, like today, there are also people pretending to be Vietnam vets. Mm. So right you know trying to take advantage so there's kind of like that whole is he is he treating him bad because he's a vietnam vet which he might because he's a korean vet or is he you know think that rambo is kind of a a fraud pretending to be a vietnam vet so there's kind of a whole lot of various subtext as to why he's being treated the way he is yeah
0: He's like picks him up and he's like, "What are you, you know, what are you doing?" He's like, uh, "You take me to get something to eat." And then like he drives him on the other side of town, and then drops him off. And it's my favorite shot in the whole movie, is Tesla's kind of like, you know, "See you later." Like there's a road, you know, a town like up the road or whatever, or a cafe like five miles down the road. See you later. And he like turns around and drives off. And he looks in the rearview mirror. And my favorite shot in the movie is when he's walking it back across that bridge, because he's so pissed off. Like that, like that's when he's like, "Oh, fuck this and fuck this down. He's walking. He like put, pops his collar up. He like you know takes his duffel bag. He like you know shoulders it, and he heads walking across that bridge again. And that's when like Sheriff Tessel like does like a U turn and then like picks him back up. He's like, what's the matter with you? Da-da-da-da. Put your hands on the hood. Put your hands on the hood. But it's that point where we get the very first glimpse of something that becomes part of Rambo iconography, and that is what you know. That knife. Oh, yeah. The survival knife. <laughs> now, um, on the commentary of, of the DVD that I have, it talks about, like, those weren't real real knives. That was just something that was made for the movie. Um, they had to have to figure out a way for Rambo to, like, like, how could he get fire? Like, how could he get, you know, da-da-da-da-da? How could he, you know, cut the tree limbs and carve everything? So that's why they gave him that knife. Mm-hmm. But um, prior to this movie, survival knives were, like, they weren't around. <laughs> they didn't even have a name, <laughs> I guess. Um, and so, with the compass and all the shit inside of it, like right. that was something that was made, fabricated completely for the movie. Huh. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So we get a good look at that knife. But then he gets picked up for vagrancy. Um, he's taken to the uh, just kind of a quick run through. He gets taken to like the police station, and um, he's you know completely like. Uh, You know, resisting at all, like not even getting his fingerprints taken, and he's like, you know, um, being very standoffish. We also see a really young David Caruso, which I thought was right. I I can never, (laughs) like, as soon as he comes on screen, like, I cannot take my eyes off of him because it's just like that shock red orange hair but this also counts as a christmas movie by the way <laughs> it it's, does count as a christmas movie because they
1: don't nobody ever says anything but there's christmas decorations <laughs> all over the town so, yeah like, you true. can watch this at christmas if you
0: want <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is your go-to new <laughs> christmas movie but anyway um but then like he's like getting like hosed off and he's getting like deloused and, and all this stuff um and then they're gonna shave him and this is where he kind of like starts having that flashback moment. Right. Um, and there's that one real asshole cop uh, that when the escape scene he like elbows him in the face he legitimately like broke that dude's nose for real like yeah. they they said like that the bandage like across his nose like that was all like that wasn't makeup like that was all legitimate oh and um, he's got
1: it for the rest of the movie yeah too.
0: he has it for the rest of the movie so like yeah so he's gonna shave him dry with like a straight razor and then Rambo flashes back to like his time spin as a POW in um, Vietnam and there's like that really like super like uh intense scene where he's like slicing him across the chest Mm -hmm. and he's like bleeding and um he has a cool mustache rainbow (laughs) fucking sweet ass mustache I I would write it I would write it I I would (laughs) definitely write that but um yeah and then he like flips out and um he actually does um what again listening to the commentary he actually you know to escape that they brought all the stunt team in there and he was like how would and they brought in like a uh not a green beret but like a navy seal or something some higher military special ops group mm-hmm. um, and said like how would you like how would how could somebody legitimately escape this like what would it look like and so he walked him through it like this is how we would do it and so like Complete all of the fighting kick <laughs> <laughs> well it is hollywooded up a little bit but um, as far as like the moves that he used like um, the throws and like using his head like a headbutt um where he gouges the dude's eyes Like, that is, like, all legitimate, like, ways that you would um, truly escape in a situation like that. And, of course, they had to have him, like, um, just walk right out the door. Just being a small town, you know. Um, And then he gets on a motorcycle once he's outside. And there's some sweet, (laughs) awesome motorcycle chase through the town. Um, Up close, um, Stallone did all of his own stunts for that. Um, Obviously, like, maybe when he's doing some of the off-roading, like, that's not him. But all those scenes on the motorcycle are mostly him, which I thought was kind of cool. And then um, he kind of flips the motorcycle. And he like takes up off this like mountainside. And what I really love too is like the movie kind of starts to go dark right there. Like legitimately, like it's, it becomes a darker film, um, even aesthetically, with like filters or whatever um, that they used to shoot it with because now they're they're like in Rambo's territory like mm-hmm. he's been in their territory this whole time. He's like a fish out of water kind of and now he's bringing them into like his territory and I just think that's so <laughs> cool <laughs> to think of it that way but uh, what, what do you think?
1: Yeah um, the later Rambos you know two through five yes yeah. they're kind of just big action movies but First Blood is mostly like a chase film
0: yeah yeah totally so
1: a chase film and a you know, like a political mm-hmm. uh, view of the Vietnam War kind of if, if people who are only vaguely aware of Rambo you know they're kind of surprised the first time they see First Blood and it's not not what they think it is, some big bloody action. movie. It's just completely the opposite, almost. Um, So, yeah, he he goes into the woods, lures lures the police. Eventually, the National Guard comes in. (laughs) Yeah. um, And then, Troutman shows up. Yeah. Eventually, try to talk him down. And he eventually steals a truck part of the National Guard convoy I think Mm -hmm. and gets back into town and blows up a whole bunch of things Mm -hmm. and then there's like the final standoff back in uh, back in the police station right yeah yeah he up back
0: in the police station
1: Um, and he's kind of Rambo's kind of trapped and cornered in there everyone's got him pinned down and that's when uh, Colonel Troutman comes back in and he ends up talking him down and that's when you get into the big you know, the big final monologue of Rambo, you know, he has this big PTSD breakdown and Mm -hmm. goes into the whole Vietnam veteran, uh, issues that they were having and everything. So it's kind of like, I I read, uh, Roger Ebert's review Mm -hmm. when it, you know, when he first did the review, 1982. And he, he was talking about how the ending is like anticlimactic and, disappointing compared to the rest of the movie but it's I think it it kind of works that way because you know there's kind of this big chase action sequences and then it's kind of like this emotional ending comes out of nowhere and but it like it kind of perfectly fits the kind of character that Rambo is and everything he's been through and like they end up uh Troutman and Rando end up hugging and he gets taken off and the kind of movie the movie kind of ends ends there with him taken away by the police so you know compared to like modern day action movies or even later 80s action movies it's i guess it would be kind of anticlimactic and kind of a let down ending mm. but for the themes of the movie and the background and everything i think it you know that's probably the best way it could have ended
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah cuz in the book he gets killed of course yeah um, and the book writ you know having been written ten years earlier at you know almost the height of the Vietnam War still going on uh, I personally don't know but maybe that ending fit better for that time period and the politics and everything that was going on so yeah who knows yeah like what what would the ending have been if the movie was made just you know a couple of years later mm-hmm. would they have gone with Rambo getting killed again or, <laughs> yeah you know i write, you know, it came along at that perfect time, um, politically and culturally, to have that ending and have it work. Um, And if we go into uh, some more themes of Rambo in general, um, and the treatment of Vietnam veterans, you know, the first guy he's gonna look for in the movie finds out he was killed by Agent Orange, mm-hmm. right, uh, which was a big problem with Vietnam veterans later on. So, you know, with the Vietnam War, there were a lot of advances in logistics and medical treatments, which allowed them to save more lives, uh, but it led to more soldiers coming home with physical and mental disabilities, mm-hmm. you know, more than any other war before that. Um and because of, you know, all the economic stuff going on in the 70s with the oil crisis and inflation and all that, um, a lot of benefits for veterans were just cut down to nothing almost. They only got like a couple hundred dollars for college if they were lucky. Uh, The health care for them was almost non-existent around this time, Um, and 25 percent of U.S. soldiers who saw combat in Vietnam were arrested within ten years of coming home, uh, mostly for drug-related offenses.
0: Jesus Christ! I yeah. had no idea.
1: That's terrible. No, that either. And Vietnam was also uh, one of the first, probably the first major war where um, soldiers were coming home. You know, one at a time or a few at a time. You know, usually in like in World War II, they'd send whole battalions or divisions over at a time and they would all came back together. Uh, that, that's how they do it now, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how, we, you know, Iraq was and Afghanistan. I'm not, I don't know why. Vietnam was different, but you had Vietnam veterans coming home one at a time. So they were, they'd be in Vietnam. They'd come home alone like two days later if they're back home. So, you know, with no support structure, none of their friends from Vietnam, Nobody knows what they went through. No healthcare. No nothing. And they're just like dumped kicked, back into yeah, society. Dumped back into society, and function. <laughs> with, you know, no other war before then, or in my experience since then, yeah. was like that.
0: We so, also have to mention too: I, I just you do have combat experience, so you are uh, military, right? Yeah. If you want to talk on that, you can at the end. But yeah, this is all coming from a from veteran himself. So
1: right. Um. But not Vietnam veteran. Not, not a Vietnam veteran. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was in Iraq, which, like I said, totally different kind of structure. And, um, so the book was written and the movie came out like that time in U.S. military history where veterans were just treated like garbage by their own government and, of course, culturally by, you know, protests in Vietnam. You know, long-haired hippies. But <laughs> <laughs> Patchouli. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the book and the movie came around around that time where veterans were not treated well at all. Vietnam veterans were coming back with no support structure and nobody supporting them. Which is kind of around when the book was released, and around when the movie was released, um, you know, public sentiment at this time was starting to turn. Uh, the VA was starting to starting to provide more support to veterans, and you know, a few years had gone by since the end of the war, and people in general were becoming more sympathetic to Vietnam veterans and how they were treated and what they went through. So, like you know, like we said earlier when this movie came out was right at that perfect time where people were becoming a lot more sympathetic to Vietnam veterans. And, you know, if it had come out just a few years earlier, how would it have ended? You know, maybe they would have gone with the book ending. Mm You know, a few years later, you know, maybe you would have killed a bunch more people (laughs) because it was, you know, the thick of the 80s action.
0: Yeah. But. Well, there is an alternate ending. Right. So they did film an ending where he... Commit suicide, Um, and apparently they they that was the original ending, and when they screened that for test audiences, um, it didn't it didn't rate very well, and so they went back and then reshot it to where he lives, and which is what you get, Um, but yeah, so there is an original ending where he does die. Yeah.
1: So yeah, and then throughout the eighties. And especially right after Desert Storm, you know, that's when America went through that huge shift of, you know, probably too far in the other direction of, thank you for your service, America! Woo! It gets kind of ridiculous sometimes. And I'm a combat veteran and I'm saying, chill out a little bit, guys. All right? It's nice sometimes, but
0: I'm gonna weird. edit in a, a, a eagle screech <laughs> right there. Okay, <laughs> if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll add that in. <laughs> so
1: that was that's kind of what the background of First Blood and what was going on around the time culturally, and then of course, First Blood Part Two was '85. Is that what we said? I think it's '85. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And we were by that point it was h- hardcore <laughs> you know it, it was you know that was all the big action cold war movies yeah you know soviet union all this <laughs> stuff so and then you know first blood part 2 is just like revenge porn oh
0: from, absolutely revenge porn it's it's a, it's a really
1: um ridiculously patriotic <laughs> offensively patriotic
0: movie is there such a thing <laughs>
1: it's awesome though but
0: if yeah. only we lived in that time where you could fly a Rambo flag <laughs> like on the back of a big truck I think that would have happened yeah. right like during yeah. this time like yeah yeah.
1: parts two and three are pretty pretty ridiculously over the top and that <laughs> that's the stereotypical Rambo that that people think about is parts two and three, and I guess part four, kind of. All oh, but
0: four is freaking hardcore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's That's, just the most like insane, batshit crazy Rambo sequel of all time, which is where they should have left it. It's crazy how much blood and gore is in that movie, and like just anyway, I love that two, movie.
1: <laughs> two part two is like. Vietnam revenge porn.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Part three is Russia revenge porn. Russia
1: revenge porn. Part four is just, like, gore porn. (laughs)
0: Yeah. yeah. Trying to right the wrong... Rainbow three always gets a bad... uh, Kind of like a bad rep or bad flack, I guess, because of its involvement in Afghanistan. Especially, you know, all things considered, um, you know, maybe it's not looked as fondly upon as, as part two. Um, so I think he tried to, like, go back and, like, well, okay, that's not the end of the story. It's like when Rocky Five came out and, like, yeah. that was a big, giant piece of shit. <laughs> and he wanted to fix that. And then he came out with Rocky Balboa, which was phenomenal. Should have left it right there. I actually had to like the Creed sequels. But anyway, um, so I think he tried to do that with Rainbow But why Last Blood? Like, God. Yeah. Why Sully? silly It's a cash grab. It has to be a cash grab of some yeah, kind. but. You know, hey, Rocky Balboa, work maybe I could bring, bring back Rambo one more time. You know, hey, go fight the cartels, like, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I love this movie, though. I, I love this movie. Um, a couple other quick things I wanted to, to mention um, is they, uh, when they when they go up into the mountains, I don't know what uh, marketing or, or production whiz uh, thought it was a good idea to film a movie in canada in december because that's uh when they filmed this which is hence why there's so much christmas stuff in the city they Mm -hmm. just they just went to this town and as it was as it appeared in the film they didn't do any set dressing or anything so like even when they're like you know you see scaffolding they're they were repainting the police station during the filming of the movie And the director was like, Ah just forget it. Like we'll just leave it in. Because they didn't have time to go and break everything down and then reset everything back up. They were just like, We'll just grab the shots. So like some of the workers, they're actually there like legitimately like repainting the (laughs) the police station. So that's why there's so much Christmas stuff around there. But anyway, um, so they decided to film this in Canada in December. It's freaking cold. Like it's mind numbingly bone chilling cold. And then they had their hero in a tank top. And they wanted to put Rambo. He's supposed to wear the tank top through the whole movie. And uh, Stallone was, like, begging the production team, like, you have to figure out how to get me <laughs> some type of clothing because, like, I'm going to die of hypothermia. And it was a legitimate concern. And so the scene where he, like, goes to that, that abandoned, like, tractor trailer, mm-hmm. they just were on on set and they happened to find that. It was legitimately just like an abandoned... It was real life, again, just exactly how it was. They found it, and they wrote that scene on the fly where he finds that piece of canvas and ties it around him. So the piece of canvas that he wears in that film um, was just a real, like, um, rotty, dry-rotted piece of canvas. And he said that became the most highly, like... um, treasured item on the set because if they lost it they had nothing to replace it with so like there was like somebody that was in charge of keeping up with the um tarp um, or the (laughs) canvas piece the rotted canvas um every day like they had to check it in and check it out so that they wouldn't lose it for continuity's sake and Stallone has even gone on record saying that he still has that um at his house and it's hanging in his closet he's like I like to, to hang that up and look at it you know right next to like his you know probably versace tuxes or like, five thousand dollars <laughs> yeah, five thousand dollar italian suits yeah so just to rem- as a reminder of like you know what i mean like you know he didn't start out that way he started right. out you know um wearing a rotted piece of canvas so <laughs> i would love to have a gander at that thing i mean wouldn't you like be right. awesome just to like go and see that like so cool but anyway so yeah i wanted to mention that too but it was actually filmed in, in december They wrote that scene for him, and then all the sets, like, they didn't gussy up anything. Like, the whole town, they just went and invaded this town, and, like, we're just going to shoot it, like, here. Locals were all used, and things like that.
1: Yeah. I think, I'm sure they talk about this in the commentary, that National Guardsmen are real. Yeah, yeah.
0: They they just use their real names. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, Bill, where's the... (laughs) Right. That's actually
1: like, Bill and the National Guard.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that was like one of the scenes that like um, he does regret. Stallone talked about like when he's like in the Mine Shaft and like the, the, the National Guard show up and he was just like, Man, they're like the bumbling Keystone cops because they weren't real actors. They were mm-hmm. just people that were just kind of paid to, you know, show up or whatever. And um, so they really came off as Goofy, <laughs> you know, like they're like posing, like you go, oh, not money like you go, you know. So it's kind of like, kind of bumbling idiots. Um, but again, that was just, it is what it is. But right. I still love that scene. Yeah, <laughs> where they blow up the mine, and, and and Stallone also talked about he almost died because um, when they set off that explosion. You know, this is back before CGI, where shit was done for real. Like right. if you saw an explosion on screen. They blew up shit in real life, like the gas station. They blew that motherfucker up. You know what I mean? Um, so, any, and that's even in the, when they blow up that gas station, the camera moves because of the sound waves that were coming off that explosion. It knocks some of the cameras over. But anyway, when he jumps in that shaft and they they, they you know pyroed that mine shaft, like he, he, said he about blew his freaking thumb off. He said like he thought when he landed. Yeah, he first thing he didn't even want to look at his hand because he knew. He's like, My thumb is gone. Like, I know that I just blew my, my thumb off. But uh, yeah, they, they had bandaged him up. And anyway, so I don't know. First blood. It's the film that keeps on giving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. Still relevant. As long as we fight wars, it's yeah. <laughs> always going to be relevant.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. So um, yeah, we're gonna uh, kind of start wrapping up this this first episode. Um, thank you guys for for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, we here at the podcast, um, you know, we are, are we're, we're we're trying to make you listeners better people. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but we want to make you a, a better uh, a, a better person spiritually, but most importantly physically. And so. Um, if you love Rambo as much as we do you have to try the green beret workout now I eat green Berets for breakfast so let's just let's just say that I already eat green Berets for breakfast and I'm very hungry but um, there is a workout a, a green beret workout that, that you can do correct that, that you you did some research on um, for if you're in the gym and you want to you know, watch some Rambo and then, you know, hey, I want to look like Stallone. I want that 12 pack. Um, <laughs> h- how do you achieve that? Um, first, get some PTSD.
1: Oh, so you
0: got to see some heavy
1: combat. Well, that's the hard part. That's the hard it's, part. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then go out into the woods <laughs> for a couple years uh, and you want to do a bunch of push ups.
0: Push ups. Hit that chest, hit those arms. Yeah, tries. And tries.
1: Uh, find a sturdy tree
0: branch and do some pull-ups. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then, of course, you'll be walking a lot. So that's a, that's a good leg workout and yeah. cardio. Make sure
0: cardio. you're wearing your combat boots, too. So, like Muhammad Ali said, you're always wearing combat boots. A full
1: duffel bag for some extra weight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the running is optional because your, your legs are getting... A, pretty good workout
0: yeah but we it. don't really do cardio anyway like that's that's for chumps i mean our our version of cardio is, is what we we like to just lift weights faster, faster. yeah faster that's our cardio but go right. on um
1: and uh running from the police that's another <laughs> well that's yeah that's true. uphill, uphill yeah, and, straight uphill and uh through the mine mine shaft um and that's pretty much your Rambo workout. Your Rambo workout.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you eat squirrels, a lot of squirrel meat. Mm-hmm. Um, the bat dodging.
1: Your fast twitch fibers <laughs> yeah. dodge oh, yeah. the line bats. <laughs> <laughs> I love <it. laughs>
0: Oh, man. I wish we had a video on this right now. We're doing the, the Rambo dodge.
1: Uh, and then, of course, tree climbs. Mm-hmm. and cliff jumping. Into trees and yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, and and you can guarantee that if I do all of these things, that I'll have that ah! back. You know, like when he's tying Rambo Mm -hmm. Part Two, where he's like tightens the bandana and he like cinches it, and that back is freaking glistening, and it looks like fingers, (laughs) like a road map back there, fingers all over. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you'll be all set to infiltrate the, the Mujahideen. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Whenever you say that, I think of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> like I, it's my, where my mind immediately goes, monkey brains. <laughs> Delicious.
1: Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good Rambo workout for you. Yeah. So so he make sure. Did, I don't know if this is in any of the movies, but he uh, Green Berets also did a lot of swimming.
0: Yeah, that's true. This is
1: a a real life tip, not a
0: yeah silly movie tip. (laughs) I don't remember him doing a lot of swimming. Um, There's some wading and some water, and I think there's some some quick jump ups. He's gonna come out of the water at some point. Yeah, part two. Maybe, maybe. golly, it's been a while. I'll have to go back and revisit that. He's in the desert, so I doubt that. Part three, so I doubt there's any water scenes in that one. But when you're in Laos. Uh, or saigon or wherever he's at Um, definitely some gotta be some water shots in there maybe not of him swimming but slowly rising from the water (laughs) weighted water rises (laughs) yeah Yeah. add that one to your list weighted water rises definitely good on the quads yeah, so anyway. Well, all right, so that's that's it. We're going to uh, close it out with uh, with that. And thank right. you guys for listening once Bef- again. Before we do, don't forget one thing. Yes. A good supply of body bags.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a long road When you're on your own And it hurts when They tear your dreams apart